What's up, guys? Brian Ratliff here. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Keep the Faith Podcast. Grab your Bibles and let's dig in to the Word of God. Back in 2017, Business Insider posted an article online entitled, Famous Last Words of 19 Famous People. I'm not going to bore you with reading all of these. But I do find it interesting that some of these celebrities said some of the most profound and at times not so profound last words. The the musician Bob Marley said, money can't buy life. And how profound that is. The philosopher Karl Marx said, last words are for fools who haven't said enough. Augustus Caesar, the first Roman emperor, said this to his subjects before he passed. I found Rome of clay, I leave it to you, of marble. (laughs) What a humble man he was. (laughs) The inventor and painter Leonardo, uh, Leonardo da Vinci said, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Wow. Charles Darwin, of course, best known for his contributions to the theory, and I stress theory, of evolution said, I am not the least afraid to die. And Nostradamus, the French apothecary and alleged soothsayer, or supposed prophet, said, You will not find me alive at sunrise. (laughs) And Beethoven, the composer and pianist, said this, I will hear in heaven. You know, as we think about famous last words, we know that if you're there present when somebody passes, Sometimes it is very profound in what they say. But today, I didn't come to bore you with all these famous people throughout the library of time about what their final last words are. Today, I've come here and we've gathered here in this place to focus in on God's final message to the world. And that is the title of my sermon today, God's Final Message to the World. And before we dive into our passage today, I just want to briefly recap the entire book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, we see that John receives a vision of Jesus Christ. And there, he sees Jesus, the Son of God, for as he is, divine and fully majestic. In chapter 2 and 3, we see that John receives a word on the island of Patmos around 95 AD to give to seven specific churches along the Roman road in the ancient world, Ephesus and Smyrna and and Thyatira and Laodicea and Philadelphia and a couple others. And then in chapter 4 and 5, John is taken to heaven and there he sees the throne room where God resides on his throne. And in chapter 6 to 18, John witnesses the seven seal judgments, the seven trumpet judgments, and the seven bowl judgments that God will one day unleash upon a Christ-rejecting, unbelieving world. In chapter 19, John witnesses the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the great I am, Emmanuel, God with us, descend from heaven and plant his foot on the Mount of Olives and defeat the Antichrist and his army and establish his kingdom. And in chapter 20, 
We read about that kingdom. And then we read about how God judges all the unbelievers at the great white throne judgment. And then the world is destroyed. And in chapter 21, God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And new Jerusalem comes down. And there, God dwells with his people for all eternity. He is the light that will brighten every area of the new heaven and new earth. But now as we come to the final stage of the apocalypse, in fact, I believe that God's final message to the world is not just Revelation 22, 6 through 21. It is Revelation chapter 1 all the way to chapter 22. And it is simply this, King Jesus is coming. And so today, the key thought that I have for us all is this. Ready or not, Jesus Christ is coming again. You may not be ready. This world may not be ready. Hollywood may not be ready. The nations all around the globe may not be ready. But one day, my dear friends, Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern sky and he will descend to this earth. I like what Heinzen, Dr. Heinzen from Liberty University said about this text. He said, this is not the work of some wild-eyed fanatic, nor is it the babblings of some incoherent idiot. The revelation is the finest apocalyptic literature ever written. It is purely inspired genius from start to finish. Another commentator said, The glories of the final state of the redeemed are assured because of the solemn truthfulness of this prophecy. Moreover, the Lord Jesus will indeed return soon. So if you walk away with anything from the book of Revelation this year, you need to walk away with this. Jesus Christ is coming again. Now we can debate and maybe even at times disagree in some of the details that are arising throughout these 22 chapters. But what we can all agree on is that Jesus is Lord and he will come again. So my, my question that I want to ask you and I want to answer today is this. What is God's final message to the world? I mean, if God had a final word to give to humanity, what do you think it would be? Well, today, as we're going to walk through these verses, I want to share with you just how God's final message is sevenfold. In verses 6 through 7, we'll see the first. In verses 8 and 9, we'll see the second. In verses 10 and 11, we'll see the third. In verses 12 and 13, we'll see the fourth. In verses 14 through 17, we'll see the fifth. In verses 18 and 19, we'll see the sixth. And then in verses 20 and 21, we'll see the seventh. So what is God's final message, you might ask? Well, it's not as deep as you might think. Look at verses 6 through 7. God's final message is a word of instruction. God's final message is a word of instruction. And here are his three words of instruction from these two verses. Obey God's word. Did you catch that? Obey God's word. That is a theme that we see all throughout the New Testament. In fact, Jesus, when he was alive in his earthly ministry in the Gospel of John, he said, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. And the message that God has for these seven churches in Asia Minor is the same message that God has for you and me today, this message of instruction, that is, obey the word of God. Look at verse number six. Why in the world will we obey the Bible? I mean, why would we devote our life to trying to understand the teachings of Christ and understand John here in this great book called Revelation? Why? 
Well, because verse 6 affirms that the word of God is faithful and true. Listen, you can go to the Library of Congress and you can, you can go through each row of books at that nice library and you could see the book after book after book after book, shelf after shelf after shelf, row after row after row, and what you'll discover is there's no other book on the shelf in the Library of Congress that compares to the Word of God. Because this book is entirely faithful and completely trustworthy. And that's what John is receiving from an angelic being. He says, these sayings are faithful and true. From chapter 1 all the way to this moment, everything that you're reading is faithful and true. And then the Bible says, and the Lord God, the holy prophets, sent his angel to show to his servants the things which must shortly be done. And then in verse 7, check it out now. He says, by the way, he says multiple times in our passage today, behold, I come quickly. In other words, Jesus is coming again. Verse 7 says, Behold, I come quickly. And then listen to these words. It says, Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Now, the King James uses the word keeps there, but it's an old way of just saying obey. And so here, when the writer John is receiving this word from the angelic being, which is receiving the word from God himself, he says, Blessed, there's a blessing on all those who obey the Word of God, specifically the book of Revelation in context. Now remember, this is no new message because in the very beginning of the book of Revelation, chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 3 that you're blessed if you read, you're blessed if you hear, and you're blessed if you keep or obey the words of this prophecy. So the message that John has us from the throne room of God today is obey His Word. So because we know that Jesus is going to return we need to be found faithful in obeying his word. We believe in what's called the imminent return. It just simply means that we don't know exactly when Jesus is going to come. We don't have the exact day or the exact time, so we believe he can come at any time. And so because of that, we need to be found faithful obeying his word each and every day of our lives. But now check out verses 8 and 9. The second thought today of, of, of what is God's final message to the world. Well, not just obey God's word, but, but secondly, God's final message is a word of adoration. Not just instruction, but adoration. And here's the three words I want you to leave with from this, these two verses. Worship Christ alone. Worship Christ alone. Now, this is not the first time in Scripture when an earthly man bowed down and began to worship an angelic being. It's not the first time. And it's not the first occurrence in the book of Revelation. But just imagine here for a second, John is taken up in a vision of heaven and he's seeing God who is just lofty on his throne, holy, majestic, all the different, um, everything, that, just the beauty, the diamonds, the, the, the stones and the, the street. He's seeing it all. And he sees this light coming from this angelic being and he most likely just mistaken this angelic being for being God and so he bows down and begins to worship but look at verse 8 it says and I John saw these things and I heard him and when I had heard and seen he, the Bible says he fell down to worship now remember this word worship it literally means to give uh, somebody worth and value it gives the idea, as I've shared before, that just as your dog, your little pet dog will, will come to you as your master, you're his master or her master, and there it begins to lick your hand because you're the one who feeds that animal. Well, it's a similar idea here that you bow down to worship 
this being. And so John falls down before this angelic being. But then the angel responds. Now, this is how you know this angel is loyal to God or unloyal. If you see an angelic being that, that directs the worship back to God, then they are a true angel. But if you ever come across some type of angelic being that wants to receive that worship, then they are part of a fallen angelic group called demonic spirits or Satan himself. And it says here in verse number nine that the angel says, do not do this. He says, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep or obey the sayings of this book. Here's what he says, two words, worship God. So as we think about this, we are tempted in our American culture to worship the God of materialism. We are. We are tempted to just get a bunch of stuff and keep getting stuff and hoard all this stuff in our homes or in our storage units or everywhere in there and some. And then we're, we're tempted to, to worship the God of pleasure. We find pleasure in everything, and so we try to worship the God of pleasure. We try to worship the God of success. We try to worship the God of money or wealth. But I submit to you today that the only one worthy of our worship is Jesus Christ and him alone. So worship him. Don't bow down to an angelic being. Don't bow down to a demonic spirit. Don't bow down to the systems of this world to worship those systems as God. Only worship Jesus. God's final message is worship Christ alone. His final message is obey God's word. But, but now let me draw your attention to verses 10 and 11. Thirdly today, God's final message is a word of proclamation. And here's the three words. Proclaim God's word. It's very simple. Proclaim God's word. Imagine John is receiving this vision on the island of Patmos around 95 AD, about 95, af 95 years after Jesus was born and came and lived. And then that message of these 22 chapters was to be taken to seven churches in the Asia Minor territory. And John was called first to proclaim this good news about Christ's coming. And so are we. Now, this is the time of the year that we speak about Jesus' birth. And we love the first advent. I love this time of the year because I don't love this time of the year because of the decorations. I don't love this time of the year because of all the gifts. I, I really don't even love this time of the year by necessarily gathering together with family. I love this time of the year. All those things are great. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. The best part of this time of the year is that we get to pause and reflect on the fact that God... Emmanuel came and lived among us and died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And we get to proclaim that truth this time of year. I love this time of the year because I can walk in Walmart. I can walk in Kroger. I can walk in Big Lots. I can go anywhere in, in the area, secular or religious. And I hear the song, Oh Holy Night. Or I hear the song that Brother Matthew played today, Mary, Did You Know? Isn't that awesome? That even though the world doesn't admit that he is the son of God, they still like to, to play the songs that declare the truth of the word of God. And so John here, look in verse number 10. He says, this angel says, after he says, do not worship me, worship God. He says, do not seal the sayings or the words of this prophecy found in this book or this letter. He says, for the time is at hand. He said, Christ is coming, 
very soon, so we need to get busy. We don't need to lock this book up and throw it in a closet or a safe. We need to go unleash it into the world so that God can save. And then he says here, in fact, this is where one of those songwriters got the, the inspiration to write that song. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Who are you going to tell about Christ this year? Who are you going to tell about how he came and was born in a manger? Who are you going to tell about how he came and died on the cross for the sins of guilty sinners like you and me? Who are you going to tell that Jesus was placed in that borrowed tomb and rose again? Who are you going to tell that he, he rose from the grave and ascended up to heaven, but he's also coming back to establish his kingdom? Proclaim God's word. Worship Christ alone. Obey God's word. But now, let me draw your attention to verses 12 and 13. God's final message to the world is not just a message of instruction and adoration and proclamation, but it's also a message of preparation. And here's four words I want to share with you. The fourth thought today. Prepare for Christ's return. Prepare for Christ's return. We do that by the first few things that we talked about. We obey God's word. We do our best to obey in thought. We do our best to obey in word. We do our best to obey in deed. Then we seek to worship Christ exclusively and nobody else. Then we go out and we tell everybody that we know about Jesus. And that's how we can prepare for the coming. But look at verse number 12. It says, and behold, I come quickly. Now it seems like that Jesus is now speaking. Now, if you have a Bible that has the red letters, you might notice that this is red. It says here that behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. Now, 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 I like this. We are called here. Jesus says, I'm coming quickly. He said before, the time is at hand. And he said, I am coming quickly in verse 7. And here again. And he has the reward with him. But look at verse 13. Here are some titles. Here's how I know Jesus is speaking, whether or not I'm using a red letter edition of the Bible or not. Because the Bible says, I am Alpha. Who is the Alpha? Jesus. Who is the Omega? Jesus. Who is the beginning? Jesus. Who is the ending? Jesus. Who is the first? Jesus. And who is the last? Jesus. In other words, he is the A, he is the Z, and he is everything in between. In fact, I believe that what's being reiterated here by Jesus to John is he is the source of all creation by the, the term beginning. He is the one that created everything that you see. And because he's the one that created the cosmos and all the world and the constellations and the stars, he is also the one that can make it all come to an end. And we saw that he, he did that, or at least in John's view, John witnessed him doing that and he will do that in the future. So we've got to prepare. In other words, I'm not saying that you need to sell your home. I'm not saying you need to quit your job. I'm not saying you need to sell all your possessions. I'm not saying all that stuff. But what I, what I am saying is this, is that we need to devote the rest of our lives to sharing the gospel so that others can be prepared when Christ returns. However that looks for you. Do however God calls you to do. 
Prepare for Christ's return. Proclaim God's word. Worship Christ alone. Obey God's word. But now, let me share with you fifthly from verses 14 to 17. What is God's final message to the world? Well, ready or not, my friends, Jesus is coming again. But fifthly, God's final message is a word of invitation. And here's the invitation. Put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Christ is message number five. Look at verse 14. It says, blessed are those. This, this gives this idea that somebody is supremely happy beyond all earthly and heavenly comprehension. It says, blessed are they that do, or in other words, keep or obey his commandments. That is the word of God. It says that they may have right to the tree of life. Only those who are going to spend eternity with God in heaven have access to the tree of life. Only those whose names are found in the Lamb's book of life will have access to that tree of life in heaven. But then it goes on to say, and may enter in through the gates into the city. But then the Bible says in verse 15 that those with outside the walls, now I want you to understand this, that all of us are guilty, we're all sinners, we've all come short of the glory of God, but the difference between a saved sinner and a lost sinner is that a saved sinner has been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and a lost sinner has not been covered and forgiven from their sins. And so in verse number 15, hey, listen, in some way, shape, or form, we're all involved in this verse here. We've all been idolater worshipers at times. We've all lied and we've all sinned. But here the Bible says that these groups here in verse 15 are those who are lost sinners and don't have the blood covering in them. And so it speaks about these, these sorcerers and these whoremongers and these, these murderers, these idolaters and these liars. But then look at verse 16. Now, if you, if you haven't figured out who's speaking in this section yet or not, now it's very clear. <laughs> it says, I, Jesus. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify. In other words, to, to make manifest or bear record, come to the witness stand and be a witness unto you these things in the churches. Now, let's pause. These several churches that have been mentioned so far, we were to take this message and they were to go on this Roman road in the ancient culture. And, and in chapter 2 and 3, the Bible spoke about how that this angel or a messenger is going to come and take this entire 22 chapters and give to each of the churches. Now, whether it's one angel to a church or seven different angels to seven different churches or whether it's John himself, we really don't know exactly. But what we do know is a messenger came and delivered the book of Revelation to all these seven churches. And here, you know that they, they had to be encouraged here because... Many of them might have lived around Jesus and saw him. And now they're being encouraged because Jesus is speaking. And he says, I'm coming quickly. And so they were encouraged. It's been about 95 years or actually more like 60 years, give or take, since Jesus was alive. And, and now they're they like 60 years. He said he was coming again. And yeah, man, it's, it's been a little while. And now the message is being affirmed in their hearts. But then he goes on to say, I am the root and the offspring of David. In other words, he is affirming to these believers 60 years, give or take, after he was alive on this earth that he is the Messiah. 
that every prophecy about the Messiah in the Old Testament from Psalm 22 to Isaiah 53 to Psalm 16 to Isaiah 7 to Isaiah 9, all of those are about Jesus Christ and then some. And then he says, I am the bright and morning star. It's interesting, when, when we look out in the daytime, we see the sun shining its light upon the world. And we look out at the constellations at nighttime, we see the stars and the different planets shining down its, its light to the world. But what we understand this is that that sun and those stars in the night are just types of how it should remind us of how Jesus is the light of the world and he is the bright and morning star that brings eternal life to the world. And so now look at verse 17. The spirit and the bride says, come. Let him that hears say, come. Let him that is a thirst or thirsty say, come. And whoever will, let him take water of life freely. In other words, these verses are telling us, put your faith in Christ before it's eternally too late. But now let's look at verses 18 and 19. Probably the most debatable passage within our passage today, verses 18 and 19. But I want you, before we dive in here, you could dive into these two verses and you could really study them down and, and you could get into the boxing ring with these theologians and fight with them. But I say that sometimes when we get into those theological fights, we're missing the main purpose of the verse. And the verses here is just simply saying, God has a final message and it's a word of caution. And that word is this, don't add or subtract to the word of God. That is message number six. Do not add or subtract to God's word. And verse number 18, of course, we know that the immediate context is the book of Revelation. We understand that. We get that. But it says, I testify, I am bearing witness unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, it's speaking about the book of Revelation in its immediate context. Understand that. But it says, if any man, in other words, if any man or woman, boy or girl, shall add to these things... In other words, if you hear somebody that comes in and they try to add to what's being said in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that God is going to add to them plagues that are written in this book. In other words, he's going to give them the judgments that he's spoken of throughout chapters 6 through 18. Now, ultimately, I believe this applies to all of Scripture. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 4, God gave the Old Testament Jews the command not to add to the word of God. And in Proverbs chapter 30, the wisdom there speaks about how we should not add or take away from God's word. And then in verse number 19, the Bible says, if any man shall not just add, but also take away or remove from the words of the book of this prophecy, speaking about this book specifically, that as somebody comes in and say, as they say, okay, I'm going to remove chapter 6 through 18 because I don't like those chapters. We're not going to believe those anymore. Then you're in danger. The Bible goes on to say, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Now, the purpose of my message today is not to dive into the textual criticism of this verse, but I want you to be aware that there are some translations that read Tree of Life, and there are other translations like ours here, the King James, that read the Book of Life. Now, scholars debate about it and have debated for years and years and years and years about which one it should be. 
But let me just share, share this with you. If your name is not in the book of life, you will not eat of the tree of life. And if you do not eat of the tree of life, then your name is not in the book of life. So the meaning is still the same whether it says your translation says tree of life or book of life. But I would lean towards it being the book of life. And here it goes on to say, I don't necessarily believe that this is teaching that we can lose salvation. I think it's a strong warning, just like the book of Hebrews writes, that if there is somebody who removes from the book of Revelation or adds to the book of Revelation, they're going to reap the judgment of God. Now, I think ultimately this does apply to all of Scripture. So if we believe what is Scripture, we believe that the Bible, the Holy Bible, consisting of two testaments, 39 books of the old from Genesis to Malachi and 27 books of the new from Matthew to Revelation. That is the canon of scripture. And that was decided upon a council in Nicaea in 325 AD. So about 300 years after Christ, these scholars of the ancient church got together and they had a whole system of what was canon, what was to be included in scripture, what was not as far as the New Testament. And then it was canonized. And so now there's literally no question about the 27 books and conservative scholarship today. And so if somebody tries to add to those 27 books or tries to take some of these books out, I believe they are going to reap the judgment of God. So do not add or subtract to God's word. That is God's final message. But now look at verses 20 and 21. The seventh and final message God has to this world is a word of supplication. I do find it interesting that if we believe God is a God who hears and answers prayer, then why do we spend so few moments praying? And I do find it interesting that the final words in the New Testament closes with prayer. So here's the prayer that we can pray. The seventh message is pray for Christ's return. Pray for Christ's return. Verse 20, the Bible says, He which testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Now listen to what John prays. He says, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And then he has the benediction prayer. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So the prayer that John is praying, he's praying for Christ's return and a gracious blessing over his church. And so today, as we gather here, we need to be praying for Christ to come. And while we await his coming, we need to be praying for God's gracious hand to be upon believers and churches. You know, growing up, I, I used to like playing a game called hide and go seek. Have you ever played that game before? Yeah? Some of you can't admit it. It's all right to raise your hand in church. <laughs> but I, I like to play, my friends, we like to play uh, what we called hide-and-go-seek tag edition. Where you had a seeker, and they were counting, and they had a certain amount of numbers they had to count, whether it's 30 seconds or a minute, and then everybody else would go and hide. But the way that we would play is once they said, ready or not, here I come, we would have to get back to the base before being tagged. And the first person to be tagged was to be at the next round. And so in my parents' house, you know, I had a few spots that I liked to hide in. And one of the spots was, was between the couch and the wall. 
I'm sure I couldn't fit there now, but I would somehow squeeze through the couch in the wall, and then as soon as the seeker would walk by, I would zoom out and go to the base and tag the door. Then another spot was a china cabinet. You know what a china cabinet is? It really, what it is, it's, it's, it's a decorative piece of furniture that you put stuff in it that you never use <laughs> to show off when people come over. That's really all it is. Um. <laughs> But anyways, at my parents' house, we had a china cabinet with all these fancier types of dishes that I don't ever remember using. Um, but anyway, so I would hide behind that because the base was right beside it. And then, then as soon as they walked by, I'd hop over there. But I say that to say this. That ready or not, Jesus Christ is coming again. And that is the message of the book of Revelation. What's up, guys? Brian here again. Just wanted to say thanks again for tuning in to today's episode. You can check out this full message at PastorBrianRalph.com or Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Keep the Faith is a ministry of Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. If you're free one Sunday or Wednesday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. Until next time, God bless. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. I'm gonna walk by, I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna live by faith. Keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith, keep the faith.